0: Auto show with my co host Mike Boyd. What's up, man? Not much, pretty happy. It is June 7th, Sunday in the afternoon, and it is a balmy 73 degrees. And today's episode, we have Todd Stern from Psychroptic. Nice, yeah, really stoked to have that guy. Me and Todd, he's like my brother, love the guy, we have a long history. Um, We took a couple weeks off. It was just hard to maneuver, and I needed a break, personally. I know Mike was pretty exhausted. We just have our personal lives going on, and I was uh, busy doing a bunch of work, art, life, just tons of stuff. Busy, busy, busy. So now we're back. We're stoked
1: to be here. How have you been, Mike? I've been good, man. I got honestly no complaints. Everything's crazy as fuck right now, and I'm just like, no, my life's good, dude. You're focused. Uh, yeah, just focus. Just, you know, I got my projects. I got everything. When you look at like everything that's going on in the world, I don't have a lot to complain about, for sure. How about you, man? Um,
0: I shut down my social media. Fuck yeah! Thank you. week off. I, I do have Instagram because it's instant and it's easy and there's not a lot of banter on there. And I took a, I shut down my Facebook and then I left it back on because it popped back on because I I just didn't do it all the way, I guess. I thought I shut it down but it was it came up two days later but I found a setting and I just said you know what fuck it I'm just gonna leave it on and I'm just not gonna engage because it's so hairy right now that I was just like I, I don't even want to deal it's too much everybody's way too emotional for obviously the events that are going on in the world and I don't need to get into it you guys all know what's going on by now so we're gonna sidetrack that Because I needed a week off, and I said, you know what? I'm going to get the fuck out of Dodge. So yesterday, got in my car, just went for a drive. Where'd you go? I went down to Carmel Valley. It's down inland from Monterey, and it was beautiful. I uh, just took a drive, had to get out of town, and um, went to the coast, checked out the beach, looked at the sunset, went to a restaurant, saw an old friend of mine. This girl Kelly Carnoffle, and she's really sweet. We actually wrote a song about her a long time ago. She's really awesome, on one of our old records, and I I, I love her to death. We're, we've been best friends for years, and she's like, hey, come to my house. So I, I went and had dinner at her work. She works at a restaurant, and then we went to her house, and then I went to this like badass little like stream, this little like Carmel Valley stream, to just get away, you know, from reality, kind of like a a reboot of consciousness. And I was literally with her out in the woods. Like, it looked like straight Blair Witch, dude. It was like, you're in the middle of the woods. Like, you're you're literally moving vines around just to get through this path. And then I was literally dodging poison oak everywhere. And I'm a huge poison oak victim. Like, I get poison oak, like, any day. So I'm just, like, panicking. Like, oh, I can't touch this shit. So I finally get to the stream. And I was just, like, blown away on how beautiful was. It was a little paradise out there. And then I got in my car and fucking... Boogied back up here, and now I'm here in the studio. That's how
1: fast it, it happened. It went by so quick. Well, I uh, what with that reset and everything like that, like you, that was a good reset for you from getting away from social media, getting away from all the shit that just keeps going on. Right. You're not gonna go back to everything after that nice little reset. Like you, you, you've well, been given a second chance here, man. Well, I'll go back. You know, I'll go back to Facebook in a little bit, but I'm just gonna wait till shit dies down because.
0: On both sides, everybody's fucking triggered. And I just, I, I don't, it's like pissing in the wind at this point. And, sure. and, and it's fine because everybody, I, I, I'm a strong believer of freedom of speech. You can say whatever the fuck you want, whatever the fuck. Do whatever you want. If, if being an activist feels good or, or whatever you want to do, I'm totally cool with that. I just needed a break because up until this point, I was engaging a lot. And I'm just like, you know, I, I can't do this anymore. I got to focus on, I got so much stuff in my personal life that needs to be taken care of. It was just like, go, get it done. Boom, 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 boom. And now I'm more busier than I was when I was on
1: social media because I'm getting stuff done. You, you realize what it is you need to get done or want to get done. What, what's actually fueling your fire versus the, the instant gratification of swiping up and down a feed. The problem with Facebook that I find is just it's like a thousand people sh- crammed in this room saying the different sentence all at the same time. And right. it just gets to the point where I don't need to be bothered with this shit anymore. So how is uh, how the bitters doing? Bitters doing well. We're almost done with the recording and putting out another EP because we've had a lot of time. So fuck it, this is put the music out, man. Hell yeah. Yeah. So we're gonna be tossing out another EP. We'd love to start playing some shows again, but God knows when that ever is gonna fucking happen. Right. Sick. Yeah. So
0: well, just for the listeners, um, we're gonna have our Q and A again, and this will be after the interview, but. Our interviews with Todd Stern from Psychroptic, and I go way back with Todd. We did a lot of touring together. I uh, psychosomatic toured with his old band Hammer Fight, and we had so much fun. And we've developed a, an amazing friendship. And since that, everybody I run into in the touring circuit is just like, you know, Todd Stern. You know, Todd Stern, and because he is such a nice, charming guy, and he's hilarious. I mean, this guy is the funniest guy to hang out with, just to hang out with. Like, you're going to be laughing the whole time. So really glad that he's on here we mentioned him i think his name came up during the, the havoc interview with dave sanchez so here we go this is todd stern from Psychroptic. how you doing todd
2: i've never been better how's it going just
0: pretty good just out here in a beautiful sacramento where you at
2: i'm in leonardo new jersey i'm in the house that i grew up in
0: wow you're at your mom's house
2: no i'm live in florida now i'm at my brother's house
0: sick that's awesome what are you doing there
2: well i guess i'm uh trying to write some riffs for this new psychoptic record that isn't recorded yet we're all just trading files back and forth trying to be productive on my only day off you know
0: that is fucking sick so you're busy throughout the week fuck yeah busier than ever that's awesome you you're probably one of the hardest working musicians i know in the touring circuit it's pretty impressive so we're going to run down your uh your musical career, if you don't mind. And, uh, if you could share with us when you started music and, uh, which band and all that good stuff.
2: Uh, well, first of all, career is kind of a strong word. Right? <laughs> I play in, uh, I've been in Cycloptic since I joined the band officially in 2018. I've been touring with them since 2015. Their original bass player. Just couldn't tour anymore. He's got family. You know the story. And, um, I've only done one record with them since I joined the lineup, which is, 2018's As the Kingdom Drowns before I joined St. I've been just doing a bunch of shit that's from New Jersey my whole life uh, my old band Hammer Fight has toured with your band Psychosomatic at least two or three times I guess all over the states shit like that um, we we're pretty independent but we did that Napalm Records thing that's still kind of open ended I think we still owe them music but I haven't really been paying all that much attention but uh Psychoptic Dudes want to put out another record early 2021 And we're putting it together now Because touring is kind of, you know, indefinitely on hold
0: So, what do you think about uh, Well, I mean, it's obviously I heard that you were in other bands before Hammer Fight So do you want to mention any of them?
2: Yeah, I was in this band called Abassi From like 2005 to uh, I guess we were really active for the first five years And then for the next five years after that it got slower and slower until everyone just kind of faded into obscurity. But had it not been for that band, I uh, wouldn't be doing any of the shit that I'm doing now. So they're, they're still pretty important to the history, I guess. Um, Revocation from Boston was the first band that ever hired me as an employee. I toured with those guys for years. I started off selling merch, and I eventually was their tour manager. And uh, I made a ton of, I guess, industry friends by being in that crew as well. So eventually, it's, you know, it's all connected
0: sick yeah by the way uh, as the kingdom drowns my favorite song is frozen gaze that thing is fucking impressive that's
2: joe haley man he's just fucking nonstop, on fire with his riffing
0: yeah that sounds like a just a face beater for sure so it was, uh,
2: uh, it was actually hard to put that one in on the set because nobody could play it properly
0: yeah those songs are hard to play i just listen to them i'm like why would they get todd stern a to place but I, you pull it off i mean it's really cool <laughs> very good job yeah, that's awesome. Well, I mean, just saying because you're a guitar player, you know, you're really good guitar player. I was tripping out how you transferred over to bass. How was that transition for you?
2: Honestly, dude, it was way easier than I thought. I I kind of realized after i had already been doing it for a few years that I probably should have been doing that all along. Like the, the big manliness of playing bass and the and like the it's more primitive. You know, it, it just makes more sense. Have, I'm not really that like uh, I don't have that much finesse. Guitar playing is real finesse. Bass playing is more like the, the gnarly grunt work type shit when it comes to playing death metal. You know, there's like there's a whole style of playing it that I just instantly found myself comfortable with big strings, big frets. I mean, you could just like make really exaggerated movements when you're playing live and never miss, you know what I mean?
0: Like caveman type stuff. Totally. Yeah, that's great. Now when you, you play bass guitar, I mean, I've heard you play rhythm guitar and, and leads, and you're pretty good. So don't cut yourself any, you know, don't sell yourself, <laughs> yourself short. You're really good. So, what was it like in Hammer Fight? Like, you know, just being in the band, and how did you transition from that band to Psychroptic?
2: Well, I just got lucky by being in the right place at the right time, which is why I got asked to take the Psychroptic gig. Um, you know, Brett from Revo. Uh, obviously, for anyone listening, he's a mutual friend of everyone's greatest dude ever. Uh, he and I grew up together. He got asked to fill in for Psychroptic like on a US tour because they had a tour offer they didn't want to turn down, but a bass player that couldn't make it. And uh, Brett also couldn't do it. So he asked me if I would do it. And they trusted him enough to just throw me in the mix without ever having met me. So it all just kind of worked out. But just transferring over from guitar to bass. Didn't even feel foreign or uncomfortable to me. In fact, I find that that going from bass back to playing guitar when you come home from a tour is way harder. Oh, wow. Because everything's, you know what I mean? Everything's on, like, the micro scale now. But um, I still think guitar playing is is, um, where all the creativity comes in. Bass playing kind of adds an element to the mix that would be really sad if it wasn't there, you know?
0: For sure. Now you uh, you filled in for a lot of people, right? And I, I think you had, you did a stint with Havoc for a while as well. How was that?
2: The Havoc, well, first of all, the, the tour I did with Havoc was probably the most fun I've ever had on the road ever. It was just what an amazing time. But that was uh, that was an unfortunate tragic event that ended up being um, again. I just happened to be in. A, you can either call it the right place at the right time or the wrong place at the wrong time. It depends on how you look at it. Dave from Havoc broke his arm while we were all hiking together. I was only there because I was working for Revo. Right. And there was a day off. So we were like, we are out with Crowbars in 2014. There was a day off between a Colorado show and we had to go all the way up to Washington State. Everyone goes hiking on a day off. Dave shattered his arm. Super upsetting. And those guys had a headliner booked in Mexico once that U.S. tour was set to complete. And uh, they didn't want to cancel the fucking tour, so they just asked me if I'd fill in for it, just because I was already gonna be there anyway. So I was, just, I was terrified, because I didn't know if I could learn the songs in time. But uh, I agreed to do it, and they just took me out as a guitar player while Dave sang with a cast on, and it was like the fucking best shows ever. Mexico is the best place ever. It's like just the most purest fun, you know? We did like all the extracurricular activities, went to the pyramids, We were out with this band. I was from Juarez. They showed us around. And it was like, you couldn't ask for a better time, you know?
0: For sure. So, when you were with uh, Hammer Fight, were they okay with you leaving? Or how did that transition? Or are you still playing with Hammer Fight?
2: Hammer Fight was going through a dark time right as I started touring really heavily with Psychroptic And it all had to do with the fact that we were being managed by a guy who nobody could be on the same page as it seemed. So... It was this dude, he agreed to manage the band. In fact, at one time he had managed Havoc, which was just a weird coincidence. But anyway, you know, Havoc's career kind of, I don't know what exactly jump-started it per se. I think it was Time Is Up because Time Is Up was like a really strong release for them and then things just got bigger for them like right after that record came out. But that's just my opinion. I wasn't there for it. Um, Anyway, we're managed by the same guy and we're like, oh, well, maybe... uh, maybe this band has like a lot of room to grow and maybe we could really do something with this. And then there was a whole lot of arguing, a whole lot of disagreements. There was a whole lot of, uh, nobody could ever see eye to eye about how the band should be run, how the band should be managed, what offers we should or should not be taking, where money should be spent. And, um, Drew, hammer fight, Drew, um, was kind of like the dude who was dealing with the manager and, At that point, the manager was bumming me out so severely that I just kind of um, relinquished any control that I had. I was like, you know what, Drew, if you want to work with this guy, you just tell us what we're doing and we'll do it. But uh, just because it was aggravating, I kind of like washed my hands of dealing with the manager guy, and then nothing ever happened. And I stopped asking questions because I was busy doing shit with psychroptic and one thing led to the other. Years went by, and we were just kind of inactive. You know what I mean?
0: Have you uh, ever thought of playing with them again?
2: dude i played with them this year it was like i quit that band out of necessity because i realized i didn't have, have enough time or money to like be a functioning member of the band and not hold them back so i encouraged the guys from hammer fight to replace me if they felt they wanted to do shit and this was like end of summer 2018 and they everyone was like dude we're sorry to see you fucking go but you know no hard feelings whatsoever and then instead of replacing me everybody just put the band on hold for a year and a half and then next thing you know we were playing shows again but just locally we we hadn't done any tours
0: right what do you remember the most fun that you had with Hammer Fight?
2: dude the first West Coast tour we did with you guys was one of the funniest tours I've ever been on
0: (laughs) why was why was it funny? Why? Well, okay. Remember one thing: we're we're live on the air, so you know you want to keep it kind of clean. But (laughs) you know, I'm not going to
2: tell any specific stories. But we just had a lot of fucking laughs because it was like you know, I mean, I don't know if you have a different version of it, but in my memory, it was like full on scumbag style touring, two bands sharing the same van, the best of the best lineups as far as pieces of shit go. Because you had Rob with us, right? You got you guys had Vince. It was, just, <laughs> it was just the best dude ever. Always, always just so glum. Vince was even glummer than Toby, by his own admission.
0: Yeah, they're both very glum people. But Toby's not as glum as he used to be. He's doing really well.
2: I know, I know, I know. I talked to him actually just the other day. He nice. texted me about watching an episode of Hoarders, and it was making him fucking crazy. He <laughs> knows shit like that makes me nuts. But anyway...
0: Well, I got to remember something about you when we were on that first West Coast tour, and you were the first person I ever saw that had a man bun. And I was like, you were like, Jeff, why don't you ever put your hair up? And I was like, well, I'm on tour. Why would I put my hair up? We're supposed to look like scumbags. And you had this cute little dainty thing on top of your head. And I was like, whoa. And I have to say that you're the first guy I ever met that had rocked a man bun. Like, everybody else started doing it after that. And I was like, Todd's ahead of the game. I have to
2: give
0: you you (laughs) props for that. Insane. I had been doing it forever just because I'd
2: always worked. <laughs> I always worked in a, an environment that would be dangerous if you had your hair down But, um, like, like construction? You know, she, no, it's like table saws and shit like that.
0: Oh, shit. Uh, yeah.
2: Yeah, but, um, no, on that tour, I think I asked you for, like, a specific reason. It was like you were laying under the van trying to get a spare tire out from underneath it when we were stuck on the side of the road in the fucking desert. Remember
0: that? Right. But I was, I, you know, I just, I, I never wore, you know, I, I wear a ponytail. I'm a ponytail guy, right? Because right. we're all heshers. And I always thought that man buns just look like too much work when you could just slap a rubber band on it. Big deal. And so I, uh, I just, when I'm on the road, I just leave it down. I don't give a fuck if there's oil in it or... Puke or shit or whatever. I don't, just don't care, you know, because I figure <laughs> we'll get to a truck stop soon enough. If I could take a shower. But I, I remember something that you had when you were on the road. You you had a bet with somebody, right? For the longest you can go without taking a shower.
2: Actually, we were just talking about that recently. So that was that was um, me, Brett from Revo and Phil Dubois, the original Revocation drummer. <laughs> it's all three of us.
0: Quality people.
2: Yeah, so Phil was traveling with Revocation and Brett and I were both traveling with this band called The Binary Code who was opening for that. Yeah, we with it was them. It was 2010 It all started because I puked in my hair at a, at a strip club in Dallas right? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I was washing the fucking puke out of my hair the next morning and <laughs> Phil called me soft for showering or something like that <laughs> And it started like this: kissing contest, and, and next thing you know, none of us showered for like twenty-four days. But like,
0: that's disgusting.
2: There, were, there yeah, there were rules to it. Like, you couldn't change any of your clothes, but well, I think you could change socks and underwear.
0: Oh my god!
2: Uh, but I don't think you could change your shirt or your jeans or anything like that. And uh, you are allowed to brush your teeth.
0: <laughs> wow! Who won? I did. Oh my! Twenty-four days.
2: Twenty-four days.
0: How long did Brett last?
2: Well, he showered the day before me because the tour ended in the Northeast, right? So the, how it worked was uh, there was a Jersey show, and then there was a Boston show. So we made, we made it from Ohio back to the East Coast and then pressed showered so he could fuck his girlfriend, which was nice of him. But the tour wasn't over yet. We had one more show to play in Boston, so I just stuck it out to the bitter end, you know? Right. Like, I wasn't going to go three and a half weeks without showering just to lose to a, a bunch of fucking chumps. So I just, you
0: know. Yeah. Well, it's a couple more days, right? Big deal. Exactly. So how do you—what do you think about this current situation? We're all in. Everybody's in it. And when do you foresee any kind of road work, any kind of touring that might come around?
2: Honestly, there's absolutely no way to accurately predict it. But here's the thing, right? I think it's super obvious that people have had enough of staying home and that they could give a fuck about being afraid of the virus anymore. And the reason I say that is because, like, New Jersey is the most densely populated state, right? So there's a fair amount of people here per square mile. Yeah. But, dude, the moment the beaches opened up and the weather was nice again, people flooded the fucking place to capacity, not a fear in the world,
0: you did, know? Did they start filming again?
2: I don't know what the fuck people do. Man. Well, you There's got, you got Jersey Shore,
0: over. right? That's where Jersey Shore is. Oh, oh. yeah, that's
2: what you mean. Yeah, You know what? I never go I never to Jersey Shore. <laughs> but, uh, yo, know, all the fucking people that are on the cast members of Jersey Shore were never from New Jersey
0: anyway. Oh, really? Yeah, anyway. yeah they're all from New York. Oh, um, wow. Well, they talk like yeah. you, so. Bigger. Got that Jer- oh, yeah. you know, like, distinct Jersey accent, you know. Wait a minute. One of them was from Jersey, right? One of them was? Was it? Well, it was it? Was it the situation?
2: I I was always under the impression that these are all kids from Stein Island and shit like that. Yeah,
0: pretty much. the douchebags. Anyways. But
2: anyway, fucking... uh, So Jersey Shore, right? So everyone's at the beach. Everyone's outside. Everyone's at the parks. Everyone's everywhere. And, like, you still wear a mask when you go into the convenience store. But people instantly forgot overnight that, like, you're supposed to be afraid of being around large quantities of people. And now you're allowed to have parties again. But there's, like... They're kind of doing it in phases, just, like, everywhere. But... You know, the moment that shows come back, people are going to go to shows. No one's going to be afraid to go. That's my prediction. I just don't know when promoters are going to take on the liability because you know this as soon as someone gets fucking sick, someone's going to complain about it and the whole shit's going to get shut back down again. And the reason, the main reason why that's so fucked is because, say, you're a touring artist and let's say you have a one-month tour book and it's happening in Europe and let's say you everyone spends the money and gets on a plane and goes there and hires a bunch of gear and there's on a bus and five shows in someone from the first city decided that they got sick and they decided that they got it from the show and then the rest of the tour gets canceled well you lose all the rest of your fucking money and your opportunity to make it back you know what I mean
0: good god it's terrifying so
2: so bands are going to be super apprehensive about agreeing to go on tours until other bands like guinea pig it first that's what I'm afraid of sure So let's just say even if a year from now, in summer or whatever, June 2021, bands are touring again, I don't think me and my dudes are going to go out just yet. We're going to probably give it another six months to a year after that just so other people can test the waters. Because a band on our level, a small, like lower tier club band, if you lose $50,000 on one run, you're you're so fucked that you may never come back.
0: Right, that's brutal. You know what I mean? Yeah, because no, it's, it's hard to say. What I've been hearing is that this year's a wash, and at the earliest next fall is roughly when bands will feel comfortable enough to start booking crazy tours again. Hopefully, it'll right. become sooner. Uh, it it kind of just the way the world is. I mean, what you, what's your situation? Your view on the, the world is it as chaotic as it is now, or maybe not chaotic, but shut down, right? Because you got both.
2: My view is that um, people have had enough. They're fucking, everyone's outraged, and maybe rightfully so, but uh, I don't think there's like a near end in sight to the unrest. People are going to be super pissed off for quite some time until they see real, like tangible change, but I also think that other people are going to pretty quickly realize that they have shit to do and that the world doesn't stop turning just because tragedies happen. You know what I mean? So like, me, personally, I, I got to stay working and, and hustling and focusing on shit. Otherwise, like I, I can't work on anybody else's life until I fix my fucking own. You know what I mean? And I made a whole lot of serious of shitty decisions in the last year or so. So I'm just trying to get, take advantage of the time, the downtime between tours, if it ever does come back the way it was, in order to kind of, Make sure we hit the ground running.
0: When great time is right. Good point for sure. What What's one of the shitty things that happened to you?
2: Uh, nothing happened to me. I'm not a victim, dude. I'm an idiot. I fucking <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> you don't you don't say. I don't think so. No, you're a great guy.
2: No, I uh, well, I tried to I tried to take the serious relationship that I was in really seriously and like move in with my girlfriend. And I just, dude, I cooked it. I'm fucking impossible. I, so. Uh, that only lasted three months, and then we split, and then uh, I forfeited my apartment in New Jersey. I tried to move in with her in Ontario, so I came back, and I had no place to go, so my brother put me up, and he's like, hey, man, just crash here until you figure it out, so I'm like, okay, cool, That's, this is February of 2020 now, so I'm like, I'm supposed to leave in uh, April to go on tour with Aborted and sell some fucking merch and then after that so crap was gonna do a u.s hotliner then it was european festival season then we had some shit going in fucking south america and right. japan and so my brother's like dude why would you go apartment shopping just stay here until the touring cycle is done what what like september and i'm like yeah fuck it i'll be gone the whole time totally and then touring shit's the bad because of the virus and now i had no place to live so i'm just crashing here and, like, fucking ruining everyone's life in this house, which is my brother and his wife and his kids.
0: Oh, my God.
2: So that's funny.
0: I bet it's great. I, bet I it's mean, great. we laugh
2: a lot. You know, the kids love me, but it's just fucking, like, I
0: feel like I've overstayed my welcome. Well, you know, I mean, it's dude, I mean, everybody's on hold. Everybody's on hold. And it's ridiculous because we're in the entertainment industry. Entertainment is on hold. I mean, even sports. It's just it's ridiculous. Totally. So it's like we all have to eat a shit sandwich and I personally think 2020 is the best year that's ever happened. I mean, there's lots of events going on to keep you entertained. It's just not the way we're used to being entertained. So, it's brutal, man. What's that? You seem to love it. <laughs> you, to love it. I, I, you know, I don't love it. I, I had okay, like today I had to take off. I, or yesterday I took off. I just split. I had to go for a drive. I was just over it. You know, I look at social media and I'm just like, this is too much. I got to get out of here. So I went to a friend and we went out to a nice secluded like river just to get away from everything and it was really refreshing to kind of reboot and i got right back here right on time to uh interview you so i'm really stoked stoked you're on the show awesome. so know, that,
2: that's killer man i went to a, i found a spot in nature myself earlier this morning and went for a swim
0: sick where at a
2: place in i guess northwest new jersey called uh Brookville or something like that. I don't know. I honestly found it with a Google search. I went up to you know Will Putney?
0: Mm, why does it sound familiar? Who is he?
2: Will Putney is uh he mixed Psychrop last record. He's like um he's an engineer and a producer. No, he's I don't always know. been based he's always been based out of North Jersey and uh he's done really well for himself. He's recorded a ton of fucking high profile bands and he's like um He's like the dude in the Northeast to do a record with. You know, he's like on the same level as your Mark Lewis's and Jason Sukoff's and whoever else is running the game right now. And uh, he's doing a renovation up at his house. I drove up there this morning to help him sort out some of the bullshit that goes along with the reno. And then on my way back, I just did a quick Google search of like fucking waterfalls and cool swimming holes and shit in the area. And I, I found something that I never even heard of. So I took a cruise out there and only added like a half hour to my trip. And then I went for a swim. Sick.
0: Yeah, you know, I, I always remember you as a water dude. I mean, I remember when we played out here on the West Coast, Todd gets in his swimsuit, runs out to the beach. We're all like chilling on the beach, having some beers or whatever. And you did a, you did the uh, the breaded chicken cutlets, <laughs> which was uh you laid down, you had your butt cheeks all sanded up, and you got up and walked out. We were like, oh my God, Todd, put your clothes on. What are you doing?
2: Yeah, I remember how stoked you guys were on the breaded chicken cutlet. It's classic. It's
0: disgusting. What are you doing? So you know, and, and you know one thing is just you've always been pretty solid, and your your reputation around the touring circuit is very well known. Everybody knows you, and everybody loves you. I've heard nothing but positive things. Talk to all kinds of guys. You know, one of the things when I talk to musicians, for some reason, just in the touring circuit, they always say, you know, Todd Stern, and everybody gets this like side smile, kind of like, yeah, I know Todd Stern. So,
2: well, I, I probably used to drink too much. And I probably well, did something stupid in front of all of them. You
0: know? No, they love you, dude. It's not even about yeah. that. Because <laughs> you are a great musician, you really are, and you're one of the hardest working guys I've ever met. And I, you know, I I quit drinking, but you know, I know that you still drink, and that's fine. I mean, but we all kind of chilled out, didn't we? I mean, nobody rages oh, like we God. used to. I kind of
2: chilled out is a massive understatement. I mean, I know right. you quit full on, but. You're also a bit further ahead in life than I am I, If I drank nice now like to, I used to I'd have been fucking dead already we, I, It blows my mind that we used to do it so much And just still function
0: Nice way to say I'm old, I get it But, you know <laughs> I, I remember one of the nights in, What was it, New, what was it Virginia Beach Oh my god What about that night? Uh,
2: what about it, dude? You tell your version of the story Because you made it a lot longer into the night than I did
0: Well I, um, Okay, we, we were at New Jersey We're I mean, not in New Jersey We're in Virginia Beach We're playing It's Psychosomatic Hammer Fight And a couple of the bands And You were like really giddy Cause you got to see this girl That you hadn't seen In a very long time And I was really happy for you I was like wow She grew up
2: She grew up down the street from me She's all
0: Totally Yeah we were all having a good time And beautiful And, and gorgeous And, and young and, and happy And I was like Hey man You go boy Todd's gonna kill it And then it just went south Real fast
2: but yeah, her and a friend and ended up coming back to the same party that we went to after the show, and uh, the dude from Combat Wombat just kept fucking buying me shots of whiskey, and I was dumb enough to just keep taking them. I, dude, that was the night I woke up and pissed in the sink at fucking Bancroft's <laughs> grandfather's house, and he got bummed out on me. Remember that?
0: How could I forget? Actually, you know what? You know, you know, you know what? That night was the night that I relapsed because you remember I was sober halfway through that tour i was I really struggling with sobriety and i was every all the guys in hammer fight had a bet on when i would break edge and it was they andrew bancroft pulls out a fucking fifth of devil's cut and i was like oh was it, shit it was the devil's, cut? It was the the devil's jim beans devil's cut and that shit was like honey dude it was just it just went right down and huh. all of a sudden the horns popped out and it was on and that whole party was crazy it was wild everybody was having fun and then You passed out. You were out, dude, like completely out. I tried to wake, I shook you to get you up because she was like, I want to say bye. Can you wake him up? I'm like, Todd, Todd. And I'm shaking you and you're like, you're dead. You're like a corpse. I'm like, oh, great. And then so she leaves and then you get up and stumble over to the sink. And I'm like, what the fuck is he doing? And we just hear it. And everybody's like, you know, face palms everywhere. Like, oh, my God, get your camera out quick. (laughs) What year was that? I don't remember. Uh 2013. No. 2015. That late, huh? Mm, I could be wrong. It could be 13 or 15. I can't remember. I
2: thought I thought Ryan was in the band.
0: Yes, he was. Right,
2: yeah, Ryan was out of the so, band. So
0: yeah, game. no, you're right. So then it was in it was in 13.
2: Yeah.
0: Oh, oh man. Man. That, that was tripped. That was terrible. Okay, now now what's what's up with your friendship with Brian Blackman?
2: I haven't seen him in a long time. Actually the last time I saw him was at a psychopathic show in Philly. And fucking Dave Haley knew that he was little Ryan Blackman just by the way we talked about him. He right. just saw him from across the room and he goes, Is that little Ryan Blackman?
0: <laughs> you know, one of the things with Ryan Blackman, I, I really thought he brought together Hammer Fight. And I remember when he joined the band, it really just gelled perfectly. And I, I don't get don't get me wrong, I love Dan Boy Higgins, he's great, but when Ryan was in the band, I thought you guys peaked in Hammer Fight. But after Ryan left, I had some questionable. I, you know, I, I talked to you about that. I told you how I felt.
2: Yeah, totally. Well, Ryan's style was perfect for the band, dude. All of his fucking solos were just exactly what they needed to be. He just he was over. It. He didn't want to do it anymore. But to be too. His credit, he fucking bowed out gracefully and told the guys that he wanted to do something different with his life. And then we had like a proper champagne party for him on stage one night in Atlantic City to like as a farewell. He was sick,
0: that's really cool. And then I, yeah, I everyone, I,
2: everyone fucking soaked him and it, all the gear,
0: it was and, and that was literally the downfall because slowly, then it was a slow death after that. Because I even told you, like, Brian's not in the band, dude, you guys are going to be bummed. <laughs> What? What's so funny?
2: (laughs) No, you did say that. I'm just laughing at the memory of it. You guys are going to be fucking bummed, dude. Yeah, (laughs) you're right. We we we, we stopped hitting it so damn hard anyway. It all kind of happened at once. Like, yo, you know that, like, sometimes throughout the life of a band, you're, you're like, one year you're just out and you're just playing a ton of shows and then the next year you just can't manage to sustain that fucking momentum because life gets in the way. That's how it went, you know?
0: Have you? Have you? So you were like hazed a lot on tour, but it wasn't just by us. There was a lot of other bands that hazed you.
2: Oh, I'm the best in the world to haze. I'm e- I'm super easy to pick on, and I could pick a fucking beating. You know what I mean?
0: You took a beating, many of them. Right. Uh, <laughs> I've, I've heard some stories, especially from the Rebel guys. I was like, oh my god, we're not going to talk about that on the air, but yeah, man,
2: the Rebel guys, they let me have it. But you know what? Again, in all fairness, like. um you only hurt the ones you love Those guys gave it to me real hard Because they knew that like I was a good sport You know
0: Well not only that Look at your career now I mean you're actually In a legitimate band You guys are killing it Everywhere you go Cycroptics well known For quality death metal And you're living large dude You really came out of that on top Man it's really Really good to hear Dude I'm just lucky to be playing With
2: dudes that are really like Top notch as far as Their level of skill goes And professionalism Off the stage You know
0: for sure. So, so tell me about Psychroptic. Like, what are the guys like? Uh, I, I know I've seen you guys with two different singers. What was going on with that?
2: A uh, great question. Uh, okay, so Kepp, the real singer of the band, he he's got two kids, and some years are easier than others. And as far as hitting the road goes, and it depends on where you are in the album cycle, like kind of how many months out of the year you go out. Right. But those guys are on the opposite seasons anyway. You know our winter is their summer and blah, blah, blah. Now, it's kind of a pain in the ass probably to have me in the bank because they got to fly me out to Australia just to do a week's worth of shows. But it all comes out in wash. It's the same shit because when they come over here, they're just one less flight they got to buy around the world and one less fucking work visa and blah, blah, blah. But, um, the guys are... Australians are kind of known for being rowdy and rambunctious, and these dudes are like the calmest, most fucking laid back, reasonable, feet on the ground type of dudes I've ever toured with. Like, yeah, not absolutely. a single complaint ever. Everyone just does what they're supposed to do, never ever fucking bitches about anything. And then on to the next show. It's amazing. So, like, if I want to be an insane maniac and party, I have that option. And if I want to just grind and be professional, it's always a cohesive work environment. And, um, As far as Pep having kids goes, and him not being able to do every tour, um, you know, it's not the most ideal situation for a band. But he's like, he's he's worth his weight in gold. All all of his, um, I mean, first of all, he's been in the band since two thousand and five, I guess. So everyone knows him as the face of the band. Plus, the dude who does it as filling is from the U.S., and it just doesn't have quite the same effect when he's not an Australian. You know what I mean? Well, the band's. the band's from Tasmania That's part of their vibes so Right the, the super thick accent That the singer has I think adds to it But anyway It's nice that fucking Jay Kaiser can step in And help out In the event that I can't make it to shows And if people in the audience Get bummed That's unfortunate But um, I've got a lot of Positive feedback Either way
0: he, so he, he killed it The last time I saw you guys He was spot on You guys were Jay on Kaiser, for-
2: He's a great oh, front man Dude he I'm was killer you know
0: Yeah he did a great job And uh, I saw you guys With Voivod And Revocation And you guys And uh, a couple other bands And it was It was impressive I was kind of curious To see how Jay was going to do But he, he dominated It was really good Yo what's
2: the, what's the name Of that venue That's the skate ramp that's, venue,
0: uh, right? that's the Phoenix Theater In Santa Rosa Or Petaluma Sorry Petaluma, Petaluma California Petaluma.
2: Yeah yeah That's his show was fucking killer Dude that was one Of the better ones
0: That was really good And you know with the uh, the bay area metal scene we're just it's mostly thrash oriented so yeah everybody was there for revo and voivod you know just two major awesome well revocation's more death metal now but they were predominantly thrash in the beginning and uh, they got you know you got the, the whole lineup was solid and i've been to a couple shows there that were just dead and that one was really packed there was a lot of people there it was really good good turnout
2: california's always fucking great to us for some reason and revo too for sure.
0: You know, so do you keep in touch yeah. do you keep in touch with the revocation guys how are they doing?
2: They're doing great. Um I talk to Brett at least twice a week. He and I are like fucking hetero life partners. For sure. Except, except not that hetero, but um uh, you got Brett is living in a house in virginia that he bought with dan gargillo as one of his roommates nice and dude since the lockdown started i've uh i've spoken to dave twice just call him up the bullshit and uh same with ash pearson i talked to him once for about a half an hour but it's just like we all no rhyme or reason we'll just randomly hit each other up ask how's it going and then it just goes into the conversation from there about what the fuck's gonna happen next you know always Those dudes are You know They're super fucking proactive You know them They always have the next record Already completely written Before the last one even comes out So
0: It was uh, was pretty convenient For us to start this podcast Because You know We had no We did it We started it right before All this shit went down So Once it went down Everybody's available (laughs) You know This is like the perfect time To interview everybody Because Once it gets going It's on And everybody's going to be working So What are you doing Todd? i was just taking a piss. That's disgusting. What
2: do you mean? Everyone
0: takes a piss. I know, dude. We're having an interview. What are you doing?
2: Oh, I'm sorry, Jeff. I didn't know that your level of professionalism had gotten to where it is today.
0: Okay, we only we only crossed the streams once. Okay,
2: crossing streams.
0: That All was right, that was in uh, what was that in? Ghostbusters. No, that was in Boston. Oh yeah, that was in a movie for sure. Anyways. Um, so Todd, what are the Hammer Fight guys doing now? What are they up to? Oh, dude, uh, have you heard Tombs, the band that Ninja and Drew from Hammer Fight
2: are currently doing? Absolutely, great band, super sick band. Okay, so Mike Hill, who's uh, dude's been around forever, he's like, he's like, uh, I guess he's your age, <laughs> he's what a been doing dick fucking... I don't know. I want to say Tombs is 15 or 20 years old. I don't know exactly when they put out their first record. But Ninja's been playing with him for a couple years. They needed a uh, bass player, and now Drew's in the band, so it's like they're both writing songs for the shit now as well, and they already have a new record written that just got finished being recorded. I don't know when they're going to put it out, but all these bands that all of our friends are in seem to be staying active during the lockdown, which I think is the proper move, you know? Like, just... Instead sitting there doing nothing, just, like, get content ready to push, you know?
0: That's right. Keep writing. And Dan
2: Higgins, Dan Higgins, the other guitar player for Hammer Fight, he's in another side project with Ninja, which is also, like, kind of black metal It's called Putra but I don't think those guys plan on doing very much outside the area with it. They're just probably just going to put out a few CDs and, you know, just for the fun.
0: Everybody's going black metal. What do you think of black metal?
2: I like it better than I used to. I feel like, um... It definitely has a purpose when it comes to like creating an atmosphere, but to me it's, it's very much background music. It doesn't get me excited. You know what I mean?
0: So you're more of a death metal guy. Absolutely. Brutal death or tech death? Uh,
2: tech death is fantastic, but so many bands made it sound too clean for me. Um, uh, I don't know if that's if that makes sense at all, but like, there's a new wave of tech death that it's lacking something that i find really important like the grittiness of it you know like right. early tech death like necrophages to me was brilliant the best and then it and then it, yeah and then it, at a certain point it became very like uh, sterile to me right i like the fucking gnarliness uh, you know that's what gets uh gets me hyped
0: devourment
2: well devourment is just disgusting
0: <laughs> <laughs> so you know you you got a history of like drinking on the road and so did I, I'll admit it. What do you remember about me on like when you were on the road and we were drinking, you know, having fun with okay. each other?
2: Well, you were an instigator. You were like a fucking teenager trying to get everyone else to be as drunk as you. Oh my god. So that's like that was the move that you tried at the fucking uh, the DNA lounge that night on uh honestly I forget what tour that was.
0: Oh that was that was crowbar revocation supposed to be havoc Excuse, but okay.
2: I thought I thought it was but I remember the guys from Death Angel being there but I guess they were No just they at were the there they were at right. the
0: show they just like Chuck Billy came out Ted Aguilar right. came out so they were at the show but I I had a few much to drink I I showed up there with like 200 bucks wanting to get everybody ripped and nobody wanted to drink and everybody was working and I was like god damn it and I I I told this story on the the havoc episode with Dave Sanchez But what do you remember from that night?
2: Well, I remember (laughs) everyone everyone was carrying you out of the dressing room and trying to, like, get you uh, back to wherever you were trying to go safely. But it was really more like they were goofing on you, like, weekend at Bernie's and just propping you up and taking (laughs) photos of, like, you with like, I don't know, whiskey and puke spilled all over your shirt, and, like, your belly was sticking out underneath your T-shirt, and you could barely stand up, and everyone was just kind of, like, had you propped up on the steps, and there was a really killer photo of it. But I don't know where it is.
0: It's on my Facebook page. Because <laughs> uh, uh, Brett sent it to me from Brett Bamberger, Revocation. He took a bunch of pictures.
2: Yeah, that's his thing. Uh, he's the best in the world at capturing you at your lowest.
0: <laughs> <laughs> my belly was at that lowest, for sure. I remember that was a that was the last time I'd ever gotten blacked out drunk. And since We were talking
2: about that the other day. Ninja and I couldn't remember if that was the last time you drank or not. You drank again after that. But yes,
0: I, I, well, I, drank, I kept drinking, but I, I didn't really get drunk. I would just have a couple beers and go to bed. Like, but that night, I did a bunch of shots. I think Drew was the only one that stepped up to, to kind of keep up with me, but he he had to work. And Dave Davidson did a shot with me, and I was laughing because he got carded. <laughs> that was yeah. Funny. Drew was
2: working for Crowbar on the tour,
0: huh? Yeah, Drew was doing guitar <laughs> tech, so. Me and Drew were like, let's go. I was like, I got one fucking, me and Pete. And Pete from Havoc was there, so he was down. So we did a bunch of shots, too. It was awesome seeing Pete there. But I was bonked that fucking Havoc couldn't play, though, because that's when Dave broke his arm.
2: Yeah, that was one of the few shows in between, because Danny filled in for them before I went to Mexico with them. Right. So they really only missed a few shows in between that time where Dave was still in Colorado with his arm all busted up. That was fucking crazy.
0: Hey, uh, thanks for coming on the show. We really appreciate it, Todd. Great job. thanks for having me you guys are great fuck yeah bro hell yeah all bro. Right, love you man. love you too take it easy todd stern Bye, from psychroptic <laughs> okay so now we're gonna do our q a which we haven't done in a couple episodes but i get questions all the time I, I a lot of people just message them to me they're not on the post i have so we have a few and Mike's going to read them, and I'm going to do the best I can to answer them.
1: All right, this first one's from Reese Scruggs, and he's the guitarist from... Havoc. Havoc, nice. Was there ever a point where you thought about folding Psychosomatic and starting fresh with a different project? Did you ever become jaded to the business side of music to where you'd never try to go after a label or tour on a large scale? I did that with Psychosomatic. <laughs> Psychosomatic initially was a side band. But, um,
0: you know, I... I, I uh, Psychosomatic was always a DIY band. We never really kind of pushed the label signing until we got pressure from everybody and then we finally did it. But as far as outside of Psychosomatic, yes, I have thought of it. I actually have a bunch of songs written, but they're like they're not even like metal or punk rock. They're just like rock, kind of rock and roll songs. And I've been wanting to do this side project And I I started, like, trying to gather members to do it, and it never really manifested. And it was intentionally for exactly what he said. It was something I would do just locally. There's no touring involved. It's just kind of to just get a release away from psychosomatic. Because psychosomatic, yeah, it's my baby. But at the same time, you know, I got to cut from that, too. I got to get a break, you know, just to have some kind of artistic expression that's not so gnarly. You know, because I'm not gnarly all the time. But uh, yeah, it's a good question. I'm I'm pretty stoked. Uh, I I do you know fiddle around with that idea a lot, and who knows?
1: I don't know what the future holds. Maybe I will someday. Next, all right, Lenny Edwards. Not sure if you've answered this question or not. What made you decide to never get inked up? I'm pretty. I pretty much regret all of my ink. <laughs> <Tattoos>. <laughs> Bummer, dude. Tattoos. Um.
0: You know, I, I, I'm a I'm an artist. I draw. I, I'm a graphic illustrator. I draw a lot of stuff that a lot of people get tattoos of. Um, I think one of the most honored I was was the singer for Vicious Circle, Paul. He got that Cthulhu drawing on his leg. And oh, I was there dope. when he did it. Yeah, I was at the Royal Peacock in Sack, and it was really fucking cool. And they did a great job. I don't know who did it, but it was amazing. And I, I, just, you know, being a drawer and everything, and I remember everybody I was around had tattoos. Everybody was, and I felt right at right around the early two thousands, late nineties, everybody was getting tattooed. And I just said, I think I'm just gonna pass. There's nothing on my body that I would want for the rest of my life. I always felt that like it just seemed like if I get this, I might it might look cool, but I get sick of shit really fast. I don't, you know what I mean? I, I just there's things where I just look at it, and I'm like, this sucks. So I would never want anything permanent, and that's the cool thing about having art on paper or on your phone. You can always move it or switch it. So I, I I hung out with a lot of the tattoo artists in Sacramento, became really good friends with them. And even a couple of them were like, don't get ink. And I was like, why? They're all, just don't. You don't have to. You're, you're who you are. We all know who you are. You don't need it. And that kind of fortified my resolve on not getting it. And I'm kind of glad I didn't get it now for that exact same reason he's probably talking about. And back in my day when people got tattoos, they were usually out of prison, you know, and it was like kind of gnarly, you know, especially being a Mexican-American in America. Having tattoos was like you're straight up in prison. Nowadays, it just seems like anybody can go to a mall and get a tattoo and it really lost its it's edge. Yeah, man. exactly. It's edge. Like
1: it just didn't have that weight it had before. So I just yeah, just wasn't into it. Last question from Todd Stern, our interviewee. Have you seen the documentary on Jeffrey Epstein? And whether or not you have, what is your opinion on Jeffrey Epstein? Well, I don't think he killed himself.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no? <laughs> uh maybe he did. I don't know. Um, I wasn't there. But I, I, I saw the first two episodes of that. I haven't seen the third one yet. But I know that that documentary doesn't have everything in there about that guy. And as far as what my opinion on him, I think he's the, mo- the highest prolific pedophile of our generation. And I think it's not just the fact that he was a pedophile— It's what he was using it for, how he was doing it, the way he did it was on a scale that none of us could even imagine. And I'm not just saying that he was doing it himself. It's he had other people of high influence. And I think that's kind of how he got a lot of leverage over people because he had them in compromising positions. So that's the thing that's really not explored yet. I do think it'll be eventually come out, but uh, ABC had a. If you look on Project Veritas, they actually had a thing where they talk about that, where they lit. The they had uh, the the reporter was on a hot mic talking to the camera, thinking she was off the air, which she was, but they recorded her saying, "We had everything on Jeffrey Epstein, and we got shut down." And the producer said, "No." So right there, I was like, "Wait a minute, that's ABC, dude. That's a." Fucking mainstream. It's Disney, dude. That is like as high as it gets. So that tells you the level of how high he was and who he had under his belt. And when you think about that, and you think about it, the 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 current climate that's going on right now, it just it 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 actually it opens more questions than it does answers. It really does. There's more questions now than there are answers ever before. I mean, he got off. Because he had I mean they they arrested him and he did time, but it was like nothing. He was like free to go and do whatever he wanted. It wasn't like you or me. We would have been locked down, thrown in the hole, you know. But I'm just like, how how is this allowed to happen? Because he had so much influence on people because he got them in compromising positions. That's how he got so rich. That's what he based his life on. His whole life was a lie. And watch the documentary and, and everything I've heard of is on my phone, just like the one you're listening to this on, so Feel free to look it up, and uh, that's some questionable stuff. That's a really
1: controversial topic for sure. I haven't gone quite down the rabbit hole yet, so I might have to check out this documentary. It's on Netflix. Yeah. Anyways, thank you
0: guys all for uh, listening. This is really good. I I love my friend Todd Stern. I'm so glad he came on the show. And uh, we'll, we'll be back next week with a new interview. So follow us, stream us, share us. Like, subscribe, share, whatever. We really appreciate all of you guys listening. Thank you very much. Be safe. Think before you speak. Peace.